0: Yo, what up, Mike?
1: Frez, you ready to roll, brother? Yes, sir. Where you calling me from?
0: Well, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, but, you know, I had family. out in Puerto Rico. When I used to live out there when I used to train with the Trinidad. You
1: know, mm-hmm. See dad,
0: dad. So I've been having this number for like over 20 years. And But I'm in Chicago, though.
1: Now, listen, have things calmed down there? Because, you know, listen, I'm in New York. You're in Chicago. We know how the media loves to sensationalize everything. Has things calmed down over there in the Windy City?
0: We say calm down. He's, he's talking about coronavirus or violence. Both. Um, you,
1: you know, Champ. Seriously, both. Because you know, we see the shootings and stuff in Chicago. But how about Corona and uh, the shootings? Have things uh, slowed down a little bit?
0: Well, the shootings—the only bad thing about it, man. I mean, they've been killing a, a lot of innocent babies, man, and kids, man—ten-year-old, uh-huh. one-year-old, three-year-old. Last week, yeah, man. So. It's still a little buck wild, man. But, you know, I live in a different part. You know, I'm in the Burbs, you know, Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. I'm away from where I grew up at. But, you know, all my buddies, they, they keep me posted. And, and you know, we uh, did a rally yesterday, you know, with the, super, the Chicago Police Superintendent, the mayor. So, you know, it's just sad, man, yeah. it's still senseless knuckleheads, you know, shooting at each other and innocent, you know, kids, man, Been been you know, begin shot and, die, you know, they died.
1: You you mentioned Puerto Rico. How long did you live down there before moving up to Chicago?
0: Well, you know, I was born in Puerto Rico but I came back to the States when I was a baby. You know, my mom left when I was a year and a half old and I went back to Puerto Rico, you know, towards the beginning of my career when I turned pro I ended up going back to Puerto Rico to my roots and, you know, they received me with, you know, with high honors and, you know, me and Papa Trinidad, you know, we were in that, Ended up making history, you know, being one of the first born heavyweight, you know, Puerto Rican heavyweight that was born, you know, in Puerto Rico, a champ. So, you know, it was an honor that the media, you know, the fans, everybody, you know, adored me, and especially having Tito Trinidad, you know, blessings and backing me, you know, in all my big fights. So it was pretty, pretty good, you know, being in Puerto Rico.
1: Puerto Rico has a rich history of athletes. You know, Roberto Clemente, Bernie Williams, Carlos Beltran, obviously the boxers, Trinidad, Macho Camacho, Miguel Cotto. Besides boxing, were you into any other sports growing up?
0: You know, you know, in that little small island with only a couple million people, mm-hmm. the most iconic sports in Puerto Rico, of course, is baseball and boxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, of course, now basketball. You know, basketball is doing a little run. You know, like, like Carlos Arroyo, uh, uh, Barrera, you know, just to name a few. Of from course. From Milwaukee. I mean, from the Dallas Mavericks who won an NBA championship. So, yeah, man, we're pretty talented in the three major sports, which is, you know, boxing, baseball, and basketball. The triple B.
1: Champ, here's my problem with you. You grew up in the Windy, C- Windy City, so I figured you're this big Jordan guy, you're a big Bulls guy. Then I go on your Twitter, you and your beautiful kids are rocking Lakers gear. Come on now, where's your loyalty?
0: <laughs> That's when, when we were living in Puerto Rico actually, when I went back <laughs> to uh, you know, to the island and, you know, when I fought the Thomas and Max Center, I was, had the honor to meet Shaq and Kobe you know, and that and they ended up blessing us with those numbers. You know, so it was iconic. That you know, my kids and and us was able to witness you know history. And it's unfortunate we dedicated you know that that social media platform and you know Kobe Bryant's memory. And that's why you know you see you know we we're, we're fans you know incognito.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, Fred, you grew up. I read about you. You grew up in like those uh, the infamous houses. How how do you pronounce it? La- Lathrop houses. How do you?
0: Oh, Lathropons. Yeah, they're by the infamous. Cabrini Green Housing Project. So we're like crosstown rivals.
1: Now listen, on a serious note, how'd you avoid the fate of many like not falling into the drug game, the gun game? How'd you stay away from all that? Because that cap, unfortunately, that takes so many kids' lives.
0: Boxing. If it wasn't for boxing, I'd probably been a you know, drug dealer user, game banger. I mean, boxing saved my life. It taught me to say no to gangs and drugs. And that's why I got my foundation, but we'll get into
1: that a little later. Yeah, well, did you start, you picked up boxing right away, or how old were you when you started?
0: Well, I started when I was 13, but my brother, my older brother, uh, Hector, he ended up, uh, you know, used to bring a lot of trophies used to fight in the Chicago Park District, boxing shows, and then he fought in the Golden Globe, city, city-wide championships. He used to bring beautiful trophies, and I told my mom, man, I want to do that and bring her trophies. And, <laughs> I need
1: a trophy. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, the trophies, yeah. I mean, I still got tons, tons of them left. I don't even got enough space to, to, to put them up. But, uh, but yeah, you know, my brother, my older brother, he was an attorney today, and he works with a lot of politicians in the Chicagoland area. And his name is Hector Morales, and, you know, he's the one that inspired me to, to pretty much pick up the glove.
1: When you're an athlete, I've had a lot of athletes on my show, and a lot of them, unfortunately, grew up in bad neighborhoods. And it seems like if you're a good athlete, you know the like you said, knuckleheads kind of take care of you. So when you were boxing, you had this amateur record, a hundred wins, under ten defeats, and stuff. While doing that, did the guys like look after you? They made sure you didn't go down the wrong road.
0: It's interesting to say that, yeah, the Land Kings, you know, uh, the gangs that I grew up with, the Project Land Kings, and I trained against, you know, in the area where the are arch rivals, the Deuces used to be, you know, holding up their fort. But they both know, you know, I was a boxer, even though the other side knew I lived in a I mean the Chicago housing projects, which is Lathorp. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, run by Land Kings, you know. And um, you know, they always, you know, gave me love and they know what I was about. You know, me and my brothers, you know, Henry who's always been in my corner, the one I used to see, you know, in my corner when I fought the Black Rhino, Maurice Harris, um uh, uh Bird, I keep on going. So, you know, he's the one, you know, we all three and my older brother Hector who started me in boxing. You know, we're all in our own world, in a positive world, even though we're living in the housing projects.
1: You're a a historic amateur boxer. I I just said over a hundred wins and stuff. What happened? How'd you miss out on the Olympics? Was something wrong with the dates? Because I saw you just missed out on it.
0: Yes. Actually, this is interesting. Uh, I ended up, you know, living in the projects. You know, crack was a big thing. Weed, you know, I ended up dipping a little bit in it. I ended up catching a case. I was 19. Uh, make a long story short, I, you know, I did my little bid. And I was a former National Golden Girl gold champ. And in 96, right before the Olympics, I ended up getting out of a correctional facility downstate in Illinois. You know, because I, um, I ended up copping out, how we say, because, you know, I got caught with drugs and guns on Chicago housing property. Which is federal property, so they would try to give me five to thirty years. It was oh my, my god. first case. Oh my god. Yeah, man, it was some crazy numbers, man. Things have changed since. But back in ninety four, yeah, that's what I was looking at and I was blessed, you know, copping out so I ended up doing a boot camp. So I did a total of six months and man those six months, boy, I had a lot of time to think and since then I ain't caught a case. I ain't been a, you know, I ain't been there ever. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Now uh a new governor, uh, Governor Prescott, you know, my uh, clemency is on his desk. So God willing, once this, you know, coronavirus thing slows down, and and right now with the with the cannabis being legal, and a lot of them had records, you know, including myself, so I a lot of people getting expungements and all that. So now, you know, things put on hold. But hopefully I'll be getting my, you know, clemency soon so I can get that girl off my back. But uh, getting back to... Uh, you know, to my arch rival, you know, in, in Cabrini Green, um, which I didn't make the team, was Nate Jones, who's today and age is my trainer. He's been my trainer for close <laughs> to 15 years now. Okay. Small world. He was my crosstown rival. He was from Cabrini Green Housing Projects, which was right down the street, you know, where I, from length of home projects. So it's crazy. We had two of the best amateurs in the country in the heavyweight division, the amateurs. And, man, uh, Nate Jones ended up edging me out to make the Olympic team and brought, bring back an Olympic medal, you know, and to this day, you know, we, we're like brothers and he's my trainer. And, you know, actually I missed out today. I was supposed to be at the gym today, <laughs> but I I've was seen him. my he's So, you know, proud of me of all my, you know, accomplishment in the pros and, you know, people in Chicago and a lot of experts I always, you know, knew that in the pro game, I was going to be a little bit more successful because I had that style that, uh, you know, be more, you know, successful in the pros and they. You know, he had a little bad, habit, a little drinking problem. Mm-hmm. That kind of caught up to him. But well, he ended up being a great trainer, and he's my trainer. You know, he, my family loves him. My mom's like a son of him, You know, to her, and uh, man, the rest is history.
1: Now, how'd you decide to turn pro? I'm always fascinated when people turn pro. How would the process go with picking a promoter, picking a trainer, know who to trust? Because is a shady business.
0: Yes, actually, yes. Especially since I didn't make the Olympic team so I didn't have all those opportunities like these other Olympians at the time, like my former teammate, my child teammate that I grew up with. We both uh from Hamlet Park, it's called Park District, David Diaz, which, you know, he was he was ten and I was thirteen, more when we started boxing at Hamlet Park. I don't know if you've seen that on my Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. when I wished him a happy birthday. Of course. So yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, we got a lot of history, rich talent in that little basement, park district that um that I'm from. And to this day, he's only produced two national Golden Girl gold Champions, which is me and David Diaz. And David ended up going to the Olympics, you know. And of course, I got edged out by Nate Jones. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably have been an Olympic medalist.
1: Listen, you started off like a rocket ship 22 and 0. Then you lose to David Tua. Mentally, how, how do you bounce back? You're this undefeated. You feel untouchable. How do you bounce back as a fighter? Because I'm very close friends with Adam Kozneski, the boxer, heavyweight. He comes on the show all the time, and he just took his – Who's friend- that? Which fighter? Which fighter is The Polish guy, Adam Kozneski, Pol- Pol- okay. Polish heavyweight. I think he's ranked sixth in, sixth in the uh, world. And really? Good for him. Yeah, yeah. And he was like 24-0. He just fought at Barclays, and he lost. And if he won, he was getting a title shot. How do you mentally deal with a loss, your first loss in your career?
0: Oh, man, it was, it was uh, a fight that a lot of people, you know, repeatedly, friends, you don't need this fight. You don't need David Toon. You, you know, but because of my confidence and all the people I just, you know, beat recently and then my style, which is tailor-made, you know, boxers always beat punchers, you know, and, and it was a fight that me and my trainer, Papa Trinidad at the time, you know, we we were very very confident, and it gave me a major major boost. You know, in my career and of course my confidence and and all that. But you know, just you know taking that fight, you know, I learned a lot. You know, a lot of experience. You know, I was you know I was young. You know, when I I never got hurt, so I never knew you know to take a knee or recuperate. Like Tua, you know, he ended up surprising me. Normally he knocks or hurt people with left hooks. Mm-hmm. He ended up hurting me with the right hand, which was. You know the the last thing you know I thought I would have you know get caught with you know him being five five ten <laughs> and me six two but you know I ended up getting you know comfortable and confident towards the later rounds and um, you know uh, a little relaxed and he ended up catching me and um, you know it was just a, one of my greatest performances actually which is an unfortunate loss you know stoppage but you know he he hurt me I mean even though he didn't knock me down or out cold or anything. But, you know, he rang my bell, and, you know, I wish that, you know, they would have gave me, you know, a eight count or something like that, but the referee, you know, ended up stopping it, you know, to this day. I still think it's kind of premature if you watch it closely, but, you know, it is what it is. I learned a lot, you know, from that fight, and after that fight, you know, that's when things have started, you know, going, and you could ask me those questions, my brother.
1: Yeah, you know, I followed your career, you're always on the radar, and you're like the what-if boxer, because... I think maybe because you don't have the big promoters behind you, because you got robbed in that heavyweight title fight against Chris Bird. It's one of the biggest robberies in boxing that I can remember. Did you ever go back and rewatch that fight?
0: Yes, man. It, it, oh. it, you, know, it, you know, even though a lot of people are like Fred, you should have been like mad at the world, man. I mean, at that time, you know, again, you know, I was just excited, happy. You know, everybody thought I watched. So I'm like, man, thank you for the opportunity. But just looking at it nowadays, now that I'm experienced. I'm, you know, I'm relaxing. And for Bird not being a man and manning up and being like, man, yeah, you should, you know, you should have got it. Even though after the fight, he knew he lost. If you can, you know, when the camera's on him, you could tell he said, you know, can you give me the rematch on his own people? Uh, John Horner, who was his attorney or, you know, or manager at the time, mm-hmm. the photographer, you know, the attorney was up. You know, he actually lives in north, south, north of Chicago, where I'm from. And uh, he even admitted, you know, yeah, I thought Chris won, that and the question, you know, I was hoping you would give us an, a rematch, and he was surprised to even get the decision. But Chris Burn never kind of went, you know, told the media or, or myself or my people, they, you know, he should have manned up like George Foreman said and, and call it like it like it was, the facts, you know. And and looking at it now, yeah, you know, I'm kind, I'm very mad, I'm very upset that you know the judges, you know, they took some prestige away from me, which. You know, it just motivate me even to keep going stronger.
1: Your confidence, it seemed like, like from an outsider, like a fan like me, Frez, it seems like you took on anyone and everyone who wanted to fight me, uh, to fight you. Give me one fight that was close to happening with you but never happened.
0: Mike Tyson, back in 2001, as you can see, uh, we fought. I fought on his undercard actually right after he knocked out Francois so Bolta. I was a swing bout, so I was about right after he, he won, and and I put a picture of him see for his birthday, which I had. You know, I watched him happy birthday. Uh-huh. And we were walking past each other, and he came. So, man, congrats, he congratulate me. You know, Muhammad Ali was there. He congratulate me, and Donald Trump was even there. But you know, he's kind of a little shady. We just kept looking at me. He was <laughs> next to Ali, Donald Trump, yeah, he was there that day. And um, and um, you know, it, it it was iconic because I, you know, here a kid from the housing project. Sitting next to these iconic, you know, moguls, you know, and um, man, you know, it was I guess Olympian, you know, Duncan Duckworry who knocked everybody out. Mm-hmm. I was a major underdog to lose that fight, and I ended up knocking him down twice in in the sixth round. So you know, that fight, you know, you know, it catapulted me. But just knowing that, you know, a lot of people started recognizing me after after that fight, um, you know, really propelled not only my confidence. Of my career,
1: and it propelled your career because you know you look at your record. You fought guys like Holyfield, Louise James, Lights Out, Tony, Oliver McCall. Looking back, champ, any regrets on those big time years for you from like uh, like o two to o eight? Any regrets on, on those times?
0: The only regret I had because I was forced out of my out of my uh, decision making was you know which I'm at court now, which I'm get, I'm licking my chops, getting ready to. Hopefully have my day in court because John work. he, you know, come to find out, worked with Mormack, you know, the former undisputed cruiserweight champ. Mm-hmm. You know, he moved up. So they pretty much, you know, have, had all the, the judges and the officials out there in France and Morimac backyard. So, you know, I didn't get the knockout. I mean, I heard him, but because they went to the decision, of course, they gave him the decision. And as you can see, that was ESPN. Even by my arch nemesis Dan Raphael. Oh so like God! Oh, <laughs> he even he even mentioned that's the robbery of the year against all those other big robberies. You know he, he kept, you know he had me number one in, in that 2010. So that was my only regret, you know. And you know John worked. You know he's gonna pay dearly for it. You know I have my last day of court for a couple of weeks, and now you fresh my memory. You know going through that, and I'm pretty sure we'll talk more about you know you know my tourist my end of my career but in the meantime you know it just it, it's just the fight that you know you know I, I mean a fight that common sense you know if i didn't knock them out they were you know they already had it for me and and there you go, the robbery
1: of the year on ESPN. Yeah, which, my- you're the victim everywhere, bro. You, you grew up in the worst neighborhood, and yet you're the victim of a robbery inside the ring, which is disgusting. But listen, we're going to talk about your charity, all the good you do, because when I read about the good you did, that blows it out of the water. You're a solid, you're an amazing boxer. You're a better human being. But you came on my radar a few months ago. I always knew who you are. But your name's back in the news. So you won some lawsuit. Now you're going to maybe fight again for the title. So explain to everybody what... Happened? Like, what was the pause in your career and what's this lawsuit all about? Well,
0: you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they applaud me because we're all these controversies out here speaking about that from, from my early earlier career and I, that, you know, I get robbed. And how do you have the heart, you know, the, the heart, the, the mental edge, the mental focus to even keep going and, and getting, you know, getting great, I mean, just devastating, you know, decision losses like that. But, you know, everything in God's hand. And, you know, he got me here for a reason. And, you know, he wants to make sure when I retire, you know, I'm I'm officially crowned a heavyweight champ. And um, as you can see, you know, all these controversies towards the end of my career, you know, in my 40s, you know, and I feel great, you know, because I take care of my body. I don't drink, smoke, live a clean life. As we speak now, you know, I'm running my five-mile runs every other day at the gym with Nate Jones, my my trainer. And... um, you know, it, it, it's just unbelievable how the WBA, the World Boxing Association, which I'm my I right, you know, beating the Derek Rossi, the Joey Ables, the you know, these other, you know, trail horses, you know, strong fighters that, you know, even though I was years older than them, I earned my number one spot. And here I am fighting Chegav in one of the worst areas in the world, Chechnya, Grozny, Chechnya, which is a war torn, you know, former Soviet country, you know, even though the president, you know, he, he treated me beautifully. I can't say nothing negative. The only bad part about it, you know, everybody Chagai with another thing like like Mormac fight. You know, the golden boy, uh the, the Uzbek who's a chest you know, he he's uh uh how's that word? He's the uh, like the he was blessed with the president's blessings of representing Chechnya uh-huh. you know, for that heavyweight championship. Yeah, he, he's so their golden like, child, right? Right. He he, he 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 was he was their golden child. Yeah, yeah. So it, so if I didn't knock him out, of course, again, you know, fight that a lot of people. I mean, even the decision was a, a was a split. Me, you know, split decision. You know, they gave it to him. You know, and and that's another thing. You know, and that was 2014. Mm-hmm. Here I am, 2020.
1: Unbelievable. Still
0: find litigation and, you know, try to get my right to fight for the championship, you know, and, and the WBA, you know, keeps put me on a shelf. You know, they, they're, they're, they're pretty much taking years of my life, you know, of my career, of my hard-earned, you know, number one status. And, you know, here we are, you know, in federal court, you know, I got a nice victory against the – uh manual charge promotional company and stuff. So the judge finally decided with me. So we finally getting ready to do a, uh, to get my monies from escrow, you know, from these criminals. And um, again, my former representative, which John worked, Bobby hits, you know, these brown paperback promoters from Chicago now that try to, you know, uh-huh. use me as a sacrificial lamb. And, and you know, I'm going to get my justice, you know, God willing, in the next couple of weeks, you know, today is their trial hopefully get my money, and coming to find out, they ended up sending settling, actually they ended up settling my Shannon Briggs case, 2017, like I said, from from Lucas Brown, because I had to fight him, the winner of them had to fight me when we went to the Southern District of New York, where I won my federal case, you know, against you know, Gaev's trainer, I mean promoters, you know, and um here I am, the WBA unjustly, you know, put Houston off and and Manuel Char to fight for the title in 2017, and you know again I've been put on a shelf from the WBA since 2014, and here we are two, two, 2020. They still got me ranked, you know, you know I guess legally technically number 15 from number one. Now I'm 15 because legally top 15 can fight for the title, but you know we're getting ready to do a big surprise. You know I don't want to say too much. You know they, they, you know I'm gonna get my just due, and um, the WBA is a major corporate. You know, actually,
1: they, you know, they they don't the want to pretty much put damage in in my career. So l- let me get this straight, fam. Um, you're number one ranked WBA. You should be fighting for the title. For some reason, they're like, maybe you're not a big name. They want another guy in there. You're getting screwed left and right. You go to the lawsuit. You win the lawsuit because everyone in the boxing world knew you should have fought for the title. You win the you win the lawsuit. Realistically, what's next? Are there opponents you want to fight? Are you going to get back in the ring? What's going on with that?
0: So that's where we're at right now, okay. you know, you know, legally, um, you know, I'm planning to do a couple of, you know, tune up fights just to keep me sharp. You know, that's my goal. So I'm definitely, you know, doing a ring return because the WBA, you know, John Wirt and these other cr- criminals say, no, you can't fight. You got Your next fight's got to be for the championship. You know, they've been saying that for the last six years. There I am. <laughs> and you so want to fight. Try, Give me the yeah, title shot. Yeah, I want to fight. I, I, you know, I wanted to get a, a tune-up shot. But they said, no, no, because this is going to be your next fight. No, no, no. This and next, you know, you know, this guy tests positive steroids. This guy tests positive steroids. Three guys, Lucas Brown, Shannon Briggs, Manuel Char. And now you heard I was supposed to fight Big Baby back in 2019 in Chicago. Uh-huh. And and he didn't want to do the father test in the WB at the time. Like, well... You know, this, you know, they gave me a month's notice. I don't know if you heard about that, you know, with Big Baby Miller. He gives me b- mad respect, Big Baby Miller. You know, said, even if, I, you know, friends, you know, gotta go there and do my business. But, you know, I respect it. You know, so that's one thing about Big Baby Miller that, you know, I give him credit. You know, he respects his elders. And, you know, I I acknowledge those, you know, young bucks that knows, hey, we open, you know, we the one that set, you know, the steps so they could be where they are today. But um, you know, look what happened to him. You know, he was one of my foes. I was supposed to fight for the WBA title. I did you know about that Ray?
1: I, d- I did yeah. not know that one.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, oh, that Romanian the Romanian guy ended up fighting Big Baby Miller. That, he stopped him in the sixth round. Well, I forgot his name.
1: Unbelievable. Uh,
0: yes, yes, in Chicago. So they gave me the opportunity, but they didn't want he. Uh, Big baby said, "No, I won't do the, the, the WBA final testing." And the WBA ended up blessing Hey, let's make it for WBA, but right. we don't got time to do the testing. So, Freds, you know, can you do it? I mean, what kind of organization, association, or do some hideous, you know, you know, unlawfully, you know, decision to have me fight a dude that you know
1: was on steroids all
0: these years? You know, it's just not right.
1: You know, what's scary, Freds. Um, it, it's scary that it is, was is that sirens behind you. <laughs>
0: Hey, right, right, right. It's okay.
1: You, you know what's scary, though? Here's what the scary thing is with boxing. You're got a good guy, a smart guy. you got guys behind you. How many guys fall through the, track, uh, the cracks of the politics of boxing? That's what's scary. You might have a great up-and-coming guy, maybe from a poor place in Puerto Rico, in Mexico, maybe doesn't know a lot of English and stuff. They're probably getting screwed left and right. How scary is that?
0: Yes, yeah, so and that's why I'm like the poster child for that because, you know, uh, I want to help those who's getting screwed. You know, I'm doing it now, mentoring a lot of up and coming fighters in the Chicago land area. And you know, yeah, they, 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 you know, they good with these brown paperback promoters um, in the city of Chicago. Which you know, like the Bobby hits. Are you familiar with Bobby I know hits? Of
1: course.
0: Oh, uh, the guy's a clown. The guy's, you know, thinks he's big shot. You know, Mister Mop Mobster, this and that. The guy's a bozo. <laughs> Uh, you know, I flinched at him, and he cries like a... But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just sad, you know, that, you know, thank God I got the experience, you know, from the Don Kings and, and on up with these cutthroat promoters mm-hmm. that I'm able to look at the country and advise them right, and, and that's what I do, you know, because, again, I'm the poster child, of, you know, getting screwed by these jackass promoters, even at my advanced age, you know, almost 50. And these guys, especially the association, are not giving me right my just due, which that's why... This federal court you know, judge is coming into play, which will be huge, and I'm pretty sure the WBA's going to have to settle with me one way or the other.
1: Now we're going to pause on boxing, step outside the ring, and talk about your passion, which is uh, – is, is it FOBA? What is that and what's yes. it all about? Because this is right. – Fries, when, when you and I started texting each other, you're like, hey, can we talk about my charity? I'm like, of course, man. And then I looked into it. I'm like, all right, we'll talk a little bit about boxing, but the whole – holy shit, do you give back. So what is this phoba thing?
0: Yes, man, I was blessed, you know, my dad, man, he rest in peace, man, he wanted to see my fight, actually, with Manuel Chari, he passed away, you know, a couple of weeks before that fight was supposed to happen, right when Manuel Chari got tested positive, and I was in Orlando, Florida training for that fight, and my dad passed away, you know, a couple of weeks short, you know, shortly before the fight, you know, I wanted to dedicate in my dad's honor, you know, I was in school with that boy, but, of course, they all had to take steroids, you know, find an old man like me, and... You know, it it, it just, it just, it just, you know, terrible. My dad, you know, he motivated me when I was younger, you know, to always get back, you know, to always love kids, be a champion of second chances. You know, my dad which you know, even though he's from the streets, from Puerto Rico, you know, he was in that life, you know, drugs and all that. But once he left, he got to Chicago. He was with the law, 100%. He taught me to say, do not go against the law. Always, Always respect the law. And that was, you know, very you know, truthful because my dad, you know, he respected a here in the United States, you know, but in Puerto Rico is a different story. You know, my dad was a killer, you know, he was a <laughs> madman. But but, you know, I was blessed to have him, you know, school me because God gave him the opportunity to, you know, have a second chance and and better himself. And here I am, you know, a, a kid, you know, thirteen, started throwing punches and was pretty successful. And then uh, you know, my dad and I started talking back in two thousand and twelve and and, no, um, no actually 2009, and then actually he advised me, and me and my brother, who was one of who, who the Golden Girls, who taught me, who motivated me to start boxing, he ended up uh, helping me being my attorney to uh, do my 501c3, which is called the Fred's Okendo Boxing Academy, Preventing Youth Violence Through Boxing, you know, it's it's the main, main goal, that's my mission statement, you know
1: and how many kids you have because i went on your site and there's just pictures of everybody doing this and who qualifies what age group what age group do you focus on yeah six to six to twenty
0: and um, the middle schools and three high schools and then um i, I was think i was able to raise you know several hundred thousand dollars uh to help the hurricane in puerto rico hurricane maria and a lot and the earthquake in mexico city so we did a a concert with Daddy Yankee the famous reggaeton artist of course at the Aragon Bar in Chicago and we're able to to generate tons of food for the victims in Mexico City and of course the hurricane Maria Hurricane in Puerto Rico and uh, while we're helping all these families we ran into one of my iconic you know figures that I ended up Oh, I'm 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 glad you want
1: to talk about this because, friends, I have my little notes here and I have this. You met someone. Now, let's pause it because you don't just help out. See, Uh I think you're over-glossing yourself. You helped out so much in Puerto Rico. You delivered thousands and thousands of meals to Puerto Rico. How bad was it there? Yes,
0: Yes, you know, we ended up partnering up with Feeding America. is one of the biggest, you know, distribution in the United States or world. And they're partners with the Illinois Food Bank and I ended up, you know... Partnering up with them with my foundation. And, yeah, they were able to assist us. And uh, we went to Puerto Rico. They had all the food and all that. And we, we hit many, many towns in the a, in a Puerto Rico area. And, uh, you know, when I was, you know, sending food and water filtration systems you know, to homes and family that needed clean water. Because I remember the water out there was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was poison. A lot, of, a lot of people was dying from the water. So we ended up having this great water filtration system that was able to help you know, for the Wisconsin manufacturer. And then while we were helping, we ran into one of the most iconic figures in Puerto Rico. Actually, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And uh, his name is Wilfredo de Radar Benitez, mm-hmm. who's the youngest Walter weight champion, boxing champion, you know, in history, in the Guinness Book of World Records.
1: Well, tell everyone about this legend. He fought the likes of Sugar Ray Leonard, Hitman Hearns, Roberto Duran. He was an absolute icon fell on really hard times. So what happened with yeah. him? What's going on with him? And you, you got to pat yourself on the back, champ, because what did you do to help him?
0: Yes, I ended up uh, partnering uh, up with several of my uh, dear friends in Chicago and actually his former partner, with his former partner, uh, former you know, top contender in Chicagoland area, Luis Mateo. They used to call him Luis K.O. Mateo. He was very heavy-handed champion, away you know, champion in the Chicagoland area. And uh, when Roberto Benitez comes to Chicago to, to get great sparring at the U.S. Uh, arena, it was a very famous gym back in the early 80s, U.S. Arena. I'm pretty sure you Google that for Chicago. You hear many stories about Roberto Benitez going there, uh, Duran, Hagler, Sugar Ray, just to name a few. You know, that was the hot, hot spot of boxing, you know, when you come to Chicago and train. well That's where all the world champions come and, and, and get in shape. And yeah, Louis Mateo, my partner who's one of my uh trainers for the, for my boxing academy who, who I'm with every other day, uh, he ended up uh telling me, you know, man, this guy helped me when I you know, was up and coming when I used to spar with him, he bought me brand new clothes, took care of me and this was where the eighties we're talking about, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And man, you know how life is and look how look how it is now. Now him with his, you know his passion for this great, great, you know, fighter with Photo Benito my icon. You know, we ended up helping his sister, who was his caretaker, you know, and, and their family. And, you know, he was pretty much in the fetus position. We went over to give him water and food that, you know, we felt so sorry and, you know, so sad. And we ended up raising money and was able to raise enough money to move him and his caretakers, everybody here in Chicago in the Homo Park neighborhood that's where all the Puerto Ricans, you know, where I migrated when I left Puerto Rico as myself too when I was a baby. And now, you know, he's getting taken care of and he's in one of the top hospitals in the world, Northwestern, you know, medicine, you know, which is one of the best hospitals in the world, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm blessed he's getting a little better. You know, he's still, you know, not walking, but he's gotten a lot better since being in Puerto Rico.
1: And being around all his people, because he's a legend, like a literal little uh, living legend. So I bet being around people, people still talking to him, that has to be helping him out a little bit. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets, you know, visits a lot, but lately, they had to slow that down because of COVID.
1: Of course. And again,
0: you know, people with those type of illnesses who get COVID, you know, diabetes, all types of dementia, they end up, you know, pretty much going quick. So right now, I haven't seen him in the last three months, but, you know, I speak to his sister's caretaker, and she's saying he's doing but you know, he's still maintaining so you know, that's the good news. That's all I want to hear. And then I, I keep in contact with his former sparring partner, who's my partner in my in my boxing academy, working with the youth, Lewis K. O. Mateo. So um, you know, I feel very, very blessed that I was able to help, you know, not only all these other families from Mexico and Puerto Rico, but this great legend that a lot of superstars, you know, seem to forget, you know, I'm I'm very surprised.
1: And, and that said, sometimes you forget the, uh, the legends that paved the road for you. Your motto right. for your, uh, the academy is build champions inside and outside the ring. Besides boxing, which obviously helps let off steam and any aggression that sometimes, kind of you know, kids have a lot of aggression in them. What else do you focus on with these kids?
0: Oh, yes. We have great, great programs. We have lots of programs. We have health and wellness. We have financial literacy. We have yoga. We got, you know, uh, mentorship, you know, mental health. So, yes, man, we got great, great programs to, you know, motivate these kids to, you know, outside of boxing. You know, they could be doctors, lawyers, policemen, anything they want to be, you know. So, you know, we don't, you know, just get them ready for, you know, for the boxing world. You know, we get them ready for the life world, you know, they're going to be a doctor, a lawyer. So that's our main goal. And these are our programs that we we have for these youth. So they could take advantage of them and, and, and equip them ready for the real world when they graduate from school.
1: And now uh, you do a lot of stuff. And listen, you and I are both city boys, both grew up. I grew up in New York City, you in the Windy City. And uh, I read you do a lot of wildlife stuff with them. You do archery, hiking. That must be awesome for these kids to get out there. Because I would have loved to have done some hiking and some archery growing up. Where'd your passion from the outdoors come from?
0: Yes, that's right. You know, me growing up in the traveland area, I had a. a a uh, lady that her name is Diana, I mean, God bless her. So I haven't heard from her, but she's a table to trips in Wisconsin. Wisconsin Dells we used to be hiking. We used to be, you know, having tents and that experience at the age of eleven and twelve I'll never forget, you know, and that's what I want to do with the kids. And we partner up with the uh with the city kids camp, summer camp. You know, it's it's in Littleton, uh Illinois. And um, you know, we take the kids out it's like several hours from Chicagoland area. So you know, instead of hanging around in the neighborhoods, all the city kids, you know, in the projects and all that, you know, we give them a nice little shelter, you know, nature. You know, they go fish, they go, you know, you know, do scuba, you know, they go jump into the water, you know, bungee jumping, all that good stuff. So nature, you know, bonfires, you know, this is something that I've done when I was young, had the opportunity, even though I was living in a project, you know, I had a person like myself that was able to engage and help, you know, at-risk youth. To do the same, and that was always my passion that, that I always wanted to get back to youth in that aspect with nature and I love you know the wildlife you know my my go to this day is to go to the Serengeti you know out there wow and in, in Africa you know you know check out those you know lions and crocodiles and all that mm-hmm. and I love that stuff you know
1: if people want to help your academy your camp how can they help what can they do and where they go
0: yes, they're more than welcome to the Chicago land area they can volunteer for free. Uh, most importantly, you know we got a you know we got a little donation button in, in the website, you know f o b a i n t l dot org, you know they could whatever you know they could donate a help you know each one of these kids, you know it's going straight to them for these programs that we got for the youth and uh, man it'll be greatly appreciated you know with all their help and support I'm able to uh, you know get these kids in the right direction.
1: First, we're gonna finish up here with some uh, quick hit questions. You ready? Yeah. Best boxing movie of all time? Yo, Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, here we go. You and I hanging out in Chicago. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back?
0: Man, that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Um, I'll go with um, uh, Danilo Nicholson, your <laughs> former IBO heavyweight champion. Of course. John uh, we got Montel Griffin, <laughs> who was the first man to beat Roy Jones. Uh, we got Kendall Gill, former NBA of course Charlotte you know, star, Hornets, fi- fi- fighting a lion night Yep, yep, F- you know, flying a lion Knight, You know, buddy of mine. You know, basketball players, and that's the name of few, buddy.
1: Those are, listen. Those are three good. A- those are three good answers. Here we go. You're a heavyweight, so you don't necessarily have to cut weight uh, like other divisions. But what's your first cheat meal after a fight? You just have a big fight. You win the fight. What's the first food you're craving? And don't tell me Chicago pizza.
0: <laughs> uh, you're close, you're close. Um, you know i go back to my roots you know in my neighborhood home park mm-hmm. you know one of the top notch uh uh you know food puerto rican rice and beans with sauteed chicken and stuff like that uh uh beans, of course mm-hmm. you know tostones mofongo um, <laughs> man that I, I can't i could divulge in that man so i sacrifice not having that every day but when once I treat myself to victory.
1: You go all out. Uh, yes. Fries, how about the coolest piece of memorabilia that you own?
0: Muhammad Ali and Angelo uh signed uh, shirts Oof. to me. You know, those are iconic. You know, wow. D, I was blessed to have them train me a little bit in, in Tampa, mm-hmm. Florida, and at the reopening of the Fifth Street Gym. You know, one of my former associates, Tom Sada's. He ended up opening up the fifth street gym with Dino Spencer back in 2010. And I had that privilege and honor of meeting my hero, you know, once again, Muhammad Ali, cause I met him back in 1999, January 16th, when he was in ringside watching my fight when I fought Duncan Duck Warrior. That's
1: crazy. So was,
0: yeah. So I was there, you know, to meet him. So it was iconic. And here I am 10 years later, I meet him, you know, at the, uh, at the fifth street opening and, uh, yeah, man, they gave me a uh, signed autograph. Andrew Dundee and uh, Muhammad Ali.
1: Where's that displayed? Do you have it like framed somewhere?
0: Yes, I'm getting ready to do my man cave. I'm in the process of doing my man cave. You know, re- 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 rehabbing my man cave. So, you ever in the Chicago Land area, brother? You're more than welcome. Me, Casa Tu Casa. And man, it's going to be a dope man cave that we all going to be playing pool and watch <laughs> some good stuff and, and exercises.
1: I, I got to ask you just one last thing. What is your beef with Dan Raphael? Because apparently, now listen, I didn't know this till recently, that if if you mention Frez na- Frez's name to Dan Raphael, he blocks you. What's the beef yeah. going on with you guys? Because he, he, that's some clown stuff on his part. What happened?
0: Yeah, that's crazy, you know. And I'm a fighter, you know. And I know how to, you know, don't punch and I know how to, you know, assess fighting. Him, on the other hand, you know, he never threw a punch in his life. And, and again, you can see, you know, he don't work. I mean, the guys,
1: Oh no, no. the no. thing
0: is, he don't, he don't respect fighters. The sacrifice that they do, they do. not just mm-hmm. me, many, many other fighters, he talk crazy and down them and all that. And, in recent times, you know, he's, he's good friends with my former uh, attorney, uh, John work. Oh, okay. That, that's say Kubet. no more. Yeah. Y- yes. Yeah. Those criminals. And, you know, I got John work, you know, getting ready to, you know, get his law license taken away. So this between me and you off the record, but, uh, but um, yeah. So, you know, that's his buddy, and it's been going on since 2000 and like 2000, like thirteen around that, twelve, right before the Chagaya fight. You know, he's always been talking crazy, and he just has it for me because you know I'm a champion of what's right. You know, fighters' rights, and you know I, I throw it back in his face. No, man, you even do a punch in your life. I mean, you don't even eat like a fighter. You don't know what the sacrifice you do. And for you to sit here and and talk about fighters, you know, their careers, I mean, it, it, you're ridiculous. You, you shouldn't even be allowed to even speak, you know, on, on national boxing scene. And thank God ESPN did the right thing. And Finally, it's about time they got rid of him. Yes, yes. So, what is he doing out there? What is that, that that clown doing? I
1: I think he's just on Twitter blocking any. Well, right now he's going on. He's trying to be political. He's trying to get his name back out there. So he's being like very uh, anti-Trump and trying to be like he's trying to move the meter with politics because no one cares about his boxing anymore. And he's just blocking people to mention you, champ. That's all he does.
0: <laughs> really? That look at that man. At least you know how the saying goes. My brother Ray controversy sells. and you know for a man to be pretty predominant in the ESPN for many years and. Now people know that. What's the reason with this guy with kind Kendall of Beef? You know, yep. he's just a hard worker. There's nothing negative about him and his life. He's not a criminal. He don't rape women. He don't steal stuff. He nothing. You know, do,
1: saying and you know that, that that's what bothers me. You know, boxing gets boxers get sometimes get a bad name. You know, because you listen, because right. sadly most of them come from you know down and out tough situations. So they still have the right. tough chip on the shoulder. You came out of a tough situation. You started an academy. You're doing right. every single thing right. You're getting screwed left and right. You still do it with a smile on your face. And you're, you know, you are a champion for justice. And for him not to praise that because of a friendship just shows where his integrity is. And
0: what, Exactly. There you go.
1: Frez, what you do is incredible. Um... I know you texted me off the record. You want me to walk down the aisle with you for your next fight. So I will do that with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Friends, this Absolutely. was this was a blast. And I do promise you this because I'm uh, anyone who comes on my show, I appreciate it. Uh, whenever you fight next, I will be at the fight. I will walk down the aisle with you. And this was a blast, man. Thank you for everything you do. And I can't wait to link up, brother.
0: Man, likewise, and um, I love to put this on my uh, social media platform, so send me the link, brother. And, again, I thank you for spreading the good word and letting the people know, hey, we still got champions here in and out the ring.
1: First, I can't wait to see you fight again, champ. Talk to you later, brother. All right, thanks. Be good, my friend.